to the Growth Through Grief podcast, where we interview individuals just like you who are dealing with their own journey from loss to growth, along with mental health experts, growth guides, all with the purpose of helping you heal better, improve mind, body, and spirit, and find your new purpose from the loss and tragedy that you have experienced. Hi, I'm Tom Pasello. I'm a growth evangelist founder of Growth Through Grief, uh, as well as a fellow widower, having lost my beautiful bride of 19 years, Judy, some five years ago. I am so excited to announce back a guest that we've had on before. It's Helen Keeling Neal, if I can say it right. She's a licensed mental health counselor, licensed marriage and family therapist, and a nationally certified counselor with a private practice in my hometown of Winter Park, Florida. Uh, As well, Helen is on the board of us here at Growth Through Grief. We just welcomed her to the board, and she's here to help guide our practice on all things concerning the mind. Prior to her work in mental health, Helen was a creative, serving as an adjunct professor at the University of Central Florida in radio and television production, director of My Art Studio, a children's art studio, and president of a multimedia agency, Emerge Media. And Helen has personal experience with grief and loss herself as a widow. Her husband passing away when her children were only four and six years old. And we're here to discuss today dealing with regrets in your relationship. Helen Killing Neal, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me on again, Tom. So many of us have um, some regrets, honestly, about our partner our relationship, you know, no relationship's perfect. I I don't know if yours was, mine certainly was not. I adored my wife, absolutely loved my wife, but for many of us through the disease and through the struggle, you know, things were less than ideal. We were dealing with a lot of stuff, many of us, and that definitely put a strain on the relationship. Um, I know many of the widowers that I've talked to, some of them, there were words that were left unsaid Mm -hmm. between them and their late wife. Uh, For others, there were perhaps angry words or things they said that they regretted. Um, Discuss, first of all, with us, you know, what's the psychology behind regret? Why do we feel the way we do in the regretting process? Yeah. So uh, sometimes the regret is based in that little bit of guilt of a retrospective, a guilt looking back and wishing it had been different. Mm-hmm. So it, we have so many opportunities to regret when you lose someone, when someone passes on. And and I think there's different forms of it. There's the regret that you didn't do certain activities together or the regret of calling them a idiot for mm-hmm. not putting the hose away or something r- really mild. And then there's the regret of um, not spending quality time together or the regret of an emotion. I think that's probably one of the hardest ones, regretting feeling angry and that being an influence on how the relationship was. At whatever period of time in the relationship, you can have regrets after someone passes about, 10 years before they even got sick mm-hmm. and a behavior now before then. Yeah. To me, the hard part too is with other people, if you've got a regret like that, you have a chance to change it. 
You know, right. if, for example, I said something wrong to you one day, maybe at the coffee mm -hmm. shop and, you know, shoot, <laughs> the next day I could wake up and say, Tom, you idiot, you know, go, go and apologize yeah. to Helen, you know, make things yeah. right. And I think that's probably the biggest thing is, is we don't have a way to make it right with our late yes. spouse. Yeah. And I think the way to counteract regret is to lean in with loving acceptance. Mm-hmm. Because there isn't a, a do over here. There isn't an apology that can be made, but there can be an emotional process that's worked where one can own the regret of, you know, I was thinking about this with my husband, the times I was annoyed that he was late home from work, just these things that having lost someone wouldn't even register for me in the same way as they did in that relationship. I didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know until I know. Yeah. Same for everybody. I didn't know that that's low down on the totem pole. Someone being late is not a big deal. Yeah. And Helen, it was definitely that way for me. So one of the big regrets that I have with Judy is that during the periods of recovery, you know, when she was sick, there was everything we could do just to get her back healthy again. But we had a couple of these amazing periods where she recovered and things went back to quote unquote normal. Right. Mm -hmm. Normal in that, you know, I went back to work, went back out on the road, wasn't spending a lot of time home. And I had to, I had to tend to that. We had a business. We had 20 people working for us, sometimes 30. And there were a lot of mouths to feed. And I had to go and do those things. But now looking back, I'm like, well, if I knew we only had a year, if we only knew yeah. we had two good years, would I really have done that? Would I have or would I have just put it all on hold and said, you know what, that can wait. This time is precious. And so that is definitely a big regret I have that, you know, of course, we could all look back and say, you know, would have, could have. But that's what I do. I do it and say, wow, I, I had some precious time here. There were a couple of trips that we really wanted to take, one to Spain in particular, Helen, that we just never did get to do because we took those times of healthiness in the disease ebb and flow. Uh, we took it for granted. I took it for yeah. granted. Yeah. Yeah. And I so, think there's a component of grief on that, right, Tom? Have to grieve that lost time, grieve not knowing, grieve not taking advantage of it. Um, it's another form of grief. So knowing that and knowing kind of what one of mine, and I, I do have another one that I think is a little bit bigger. Mm -hmm. How would you recommend I kind of reconcile that? So how do we cast that regret Maybe not aside, because I think you need to recognize it. As you said, you kind of have to confront it. But how do we overcome it so that it doesn't keep coming up as a as a negative thought that could potentially right. hold me back in my healing process? Right. That eats you away at you, right? Sort of gnaws at you. Well, you know, I'm a big fan of EMDR, eye movement mm -hmm. desensitization reprocessing. So that's a really great way to work on the regret and work on it from a very um, uh, deep manner to release that negative belief that's stored because probably what you have stored that as the regret might be in that statement of uh, I, I didn't do the right thing or I should have done better or I'm not good enough 
those kinds of negative beliefs in there. So using EMDR as a technique to release those. But I think self-forgiveness is huge here. <laughs> the understanding that you didn't know what the time frame is, and you were in survival mode a lot of the time, and your coupleship was in survival mode. That was very, very difficult. She was really ill. There was contention around that. There's always contention with illness, you know, because of the amount of stress. So self-forgiveness is really important there and bringing a compassionate lens to the fact that if you did have to do this over again, if you had a do-over for this, you know you would do it differently. <laughs> but we don't know what we don't know until we know. Yeah. Now, Helen, that brings me to the second kind of regret mm -hmm. that I have. You, you didn't know that, again, I was going to go on the couch with you. And, I'm uh, glad you are. And, and just are. be psychoanalyzed by this. But heck, we might as well put it out there because I know that a lot of people have these same kind of issues. And, you know, I don't mind sharing and revealing some of this if you don't mind trying to have me as a quote unquote virtual patient. Here Absolutely. Give, give me some advice that hopefully will help others. So the other big regret I have, and this one is a little bit more uh, complex, but I know one that, that other people have had to go through is that through the sickness process, mm -hmm. we definitely started to resent each other. Mm -hmm. And it's harsh to say that. So let me couch it with, you know, again, love. I think deep down, she loved mm -hmm. me. I loved her. We were together through it all, and we were there for each other through it. However, yes. um, I could see in certain instances and things she said and things she did that she regretted that I went on living mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, the life that I had before, mm -hmm. and that she couldn't do those things. And we had a strong partnership in the business, and she was a big part of that. And through the sickness, she really couldn't do many of the things she did before in that partnership. So, for example, when it came to me to publish a book, I would normally have had her do the editing and do the artwork and everything else with it. And I think she resented that I was able to do that and kind of and I had to do it with other partners who were part of the business, but not with her. And I don't think she ever really got over that and, and did resent that quite a bit um, yeah. and, and vice versa. There were things that I resented in her, again, not to seem harsh with it, but when someone's going through a disease like this, they're not the same person that they were right. before. Judy had a uh, brain tumor that was on her pituitary. It affected her serotonin, her melatonin. It was a midbrain mm -hmm. uh, disease and it impacted her greatly. She was not the same person she was physically. She was not the same person she was. There were times where I would think in the back of my head, wow, I'm married to a 70 and 80 year old and I'm yeah. young fifties and really active. And yeah. it was hard. It was hard to, to, um, you know, not in some ways not to have those feelings of resentment there. So that co-resentment definitely led to me now looking back at it saying, wow, I regret, I regret that we didn't go to therapy on that. I regret that mm -hmm. we didn't reset the relationship now with new expectations, not coming in with those old expectations of, I'm your partner and I'm going to be able to do everything I did before and contribute to the business duty to me or me to her. Well, I'm 50 years old and I want to go climb a mountain. I want to go, you know, go running. I want to go, uh, you know, on a whitewater rafting trip and you can't do those things with me anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that you lost your person before you lost your person. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And uh, she, in a way, lost her person mm -hmm. before she left. Yeah. Um, in the sense of the partnership that you had was combined in work and parenting and being together and the illness separated that for you guys <laughs> and it changed everything. I had a client last week who was telling me a quote, and this is, this is going to be a paraphrase from Brene Brown. And she was talking about resentment and how resentment isn't anger. It's envy. <laughs> so just as your wife envied your ability to continue on and be healthy, I'm sure you envied the freedom to live life in the way that you wanted to and, um, you know, resented possibly having to do everything in the business and, and envied uh, others who had a partner in that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and it's complex, but all of those feelings, hers and yours, are very normal and mm -hmm. really appropriate. It just leaves you afterwards with this sense of sadness and regret. Yeah. And yeah. then, Helen, I think you're hitting on it, which is the first thing we need to do is kind of step back and say, you know, grace. Yeah. Grace is the yeah. word that comes Yes. We yeah, it's so funny. I wrote that word down earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Talk yeah. about that a little bit and why that's so important. Yeah. I, you know, grace is a term that we're used to in, in spiritual worlds, right? But to mm -hmm. me, grace represents giving someone, including oneself, the space to be human, mm -hmm. to err, to uh, make mistakes and know that they're still a good person and okay on the other side of it. And that really you were doing the best that you could at that moment in time. And so was she. Yeah, I completely agree in that because the struggle was real through that. Yes. And we were, we were trying mm -hmm. to be the best. She was trying to hang on for the kids and for me and mm -hmm. for everything that she stood for. And, you know, I was trying to hold it all together as well. And in there, yeah. It wasn't a great, graceful time as you're watching this and you're watching mm -hmm. these unfold. It's ugly. Um, no, it's, yeah, no it's really rough. Anyone who's been yeah. through it. I know many of our brothers suffer from PTSD from some of that ugliness that was there. Yes, it's really quite awful in the end stages, right? Yeah. Visually, yeah. what you see your loved one going through or hearing the pain, just really, really impactful. Yeah, but coming out of that, I think we have mm -hmm. to find that grace again. Find that grace to give, to give room in our hearts to say, you know, yes, wasn't perfect, but mm -hmm. tried, and we're human. And mm -hmm. I think until you can start to give yourself that grace, you really don't have. You haven't created that healing space. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, my husband had been in uh, rehab for drug treatment about three weeks before he went into the hospital, he came out of rehab and I was pissed. I was so mad. This is the second rehab. I was so angry and he was undiagnosed. So we didn't know that the liver cancer was going on. And 
when we went to the hospital because having trouble breathing and we'd been to together to the gastroenterologist a week before he went into the hospital who'd who just dismissed him and said we well we need to do a scope we didn't know he was in severe liver failure right there and then so he went into the hospital and and they were uh, trying to prescribe him pain medications. And I'm going, he's an addict. No, he's an addict. And the doctor looked at me and he said, this is not the time for that. Yeah. But I didn't know that he was dying. He was dying right no. there and then. He was in end-stage liver failure and we didn't know. And, you know, it took me years to stop being upset with myself for being upset with him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So as we, yeah, as we look at this, you know, you and I are two examples here. Our relationships were not perfect yet. Right. I right. think that we're always expected to portray these relationships as if they are perfect. Yeah. Especially after someone passes on, after someone dies, there's that putting them up on a pedestal kind of piece. But I don't know about you, but I was still angry. I was angry for a long time. And my anger changed and it shifted because anger changes from anger uh, in part for me with David because of how he had abused his body with drugs and alcohol because it contributed to his death. And then anger that he was gone and I was having to deal with everything by myself and anger at the financials and all these different feelings. And of course, underneath the anger was just this desperate sadness yeah, yeah. about the loss. Yeah. But, you know, we all have issues in relationships. I don't know one relationship that hasn't had issues in it. That's normal. That's the human condition. That's the partnering condition. And so, you know, we're left with dealing after the loss of the person with the issues that were in the relationship, even maybe before they were ill or whatever was going on before. And now the loss of that person, too. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, not being able to share some of the regrets we might have because we're right. trying to portray the relationship as if it was perfect and not wanting to talk about maybe some of the things that we regretted that we're still hanging on to yeah. or the fight that you had, right? Or the, the right. issues, that, that the conflict that was still going on toward the yes. end. Yeah. yeah. I'll never forget my eldest daughter was about maybe nine. So this was three years after David had died and she was up one night and she was just having a really hard time and she was really angry and she was really upset. And she said to me, and she burst into tears as she said it, she said, I'm so angry at daddy for dying. I'm going to get emotional here. Yeah. And then she said, but I feel so terrible about myself oh. for being angry at him for dying. Yeah. And here's a little nine-year-old who's experiencing that kind of conflict, right? And I'm sure that you've experienced that conflict. I've experienced that conflict. I still experience it every once in a while in a moment when I'm like, you know, I got to deal with everything with my kids all the time, everything, all the time, Arr, kind of feeling. Not how it was before, but yeah. that dichotomy of feeling is really hard. And the truth is we can feel both at once. Yeah. So I think what we're saying is, look, that, you know, you're, and she was nine years old at the time. Nine, yes, nine. nine. So yes. at nine-year-old, she's capturing that child inside us that's experiencing these things. You right. Know, it's, it's there for the nine-year-olds, it's there for us as adults. So how do we, is there a stepwise way to kind of take this regret and 
you know, heal through it. What do you recommend is the steps that we can take, Helen, to kind of help us to get through this? Yeah, I think it's really important to talk about the really difficult things because we don't, we don't talk about how angry we are at them or how resentful we are or how we might have yelled at them after they went through chemo or because you were so upset or I had a friend who you just was so upset and because she just changed her husband's diaper again and he had another accident and she just like lost it because of that because she was so overwhelmed and so stressed and just you know felt terrible about it we have to talk about these things we have to talk about them because it's normal <laughs> and and everybody does it and we don't have to sort of glorify them in this glow of oh yes they are dearly departed angelic people when the struggle was so real we have to <laughs> be able to say the dark things that we said or did to somebody in safety who's going to care for us anyway, no matter what it is, and mm -hmm. just sit with us and witness that sorrow and, and that darkness, however it is, and say, I, it makes sense. I understand. Yeah. You are not a bad person because of it. And I think, Helen, a therapist could be that. Mm -hmm. um, Thank you for listening to my story today and being Absolutely. that person for me in this moment. Yeah. Um, it could be a fellow widower yeah. brother, right, yeah. who it probably has the same, the same regrets, the same issues or similar things. I'm sure yeah. they, they might have different regrets, but they're still manifesting in a very similar way. Uh, right. You know, or perhaps a dear friend, uh, male yeah. or female, that you can share with mm -hmm. um, really, really helps. And I do think that talking about it, I mean, cognitive behavior therapy is you know, talking about these these challenges and getting them out there, I think that's the first step in the healing process, right? Yeah, definitely, because we tend to not have perspective when they're inside our heads. They're, they're, they just take up so much space and just go around and around and around. But the second we verbalize them out, we, we get to externalize it and look at it more practically. Okay, yeah. I was exhausted. I hadn't slept for three days. They were so ill. This was going on. I was trying to run a business. You were trying to run a business kind to sustain a household and 20 employees, right? Um, of course, I was angry. Of course, I was upset. Yeah. yeah. And so talking about it kind of takes it from here, right, mm -hmm. where it's running around and you have deep feelings attached to it, mm -hmm. emotional and reptilian yes. feelings, right? Fight or flight that occur, verbalizing yeah. it puts it here into your frontal lobe and then kind of, right. and then it externalizes it. So you can then have some perspective outside in almost perspective that you can kind of now observe it and move it around and say, okay, why did I feel that way? How is it? And, and re begin reconciling it, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And calm the emotional component, release it, calm it. Um, shed the tears or, mm -hmm. or whatever feeling is connected with it. Yep. Yeah. And you that. won't have that. Yeah. You won't have that um, perspective, like that observer perspective right away. As you said, there'll no. be tears. There will be that emotional reaction. Yes. Maybe the first time you tell, you say, say it out loud the second yeah. time, the third time. But I think by kind of the fourth, fifth, sixth time, and it may take that many sharings right. to kind of get it out there. You do gain that kind of outside in perspective. Right. Agreed. And I was just thinking about that. That's the very first time I've told that story about my daughter. Oh, 
So that runs Thank true you. to what you've just said, telling it and having the emotions come up. Um, I could tell it now without it having the same effect, but it's yeah. the first time I'd ever told that piece. Yeah. And thank so you that, so much. That, that is key. And then again, EMDR can help with this too. There's other techniques as well. Um, ART, um, just, you know, all kinds of things. Uh, a lot of people use writing mm -hmm. as a way to process and to express and put it out there. And then I think remembering if you have a spiritual connection, if you have a connection with God or um, a higher power uh, and have that kind of understanding in your life, um, some kind of faith or spiritual practices, those can be really, really useful because the common theme in all spiritual practices is forgiveness and that includes self-forgiveness too. <laughs> and grace as well, God's. Yeah. Unending grace, grace yeah. right? No matter what we do, no matter what, he still loves us. So yeah. um, absolutely there. Forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about that a little bit. One of the biggest ways that I was able to heal through the regret was mm -hmm. talking about it, uh, talking yeah. about the resentment that I felt with a couple of uh, folks, a therapist being one, and then some brothers as well. Um, so talking about the issues. And then the bigger one was a walk in the woods that mm, I took. Yeah. And I was very purposeful in that walk. We were guided in that walk. A dear friend of mine, Chris Dawson, who's been on the program, a pastor friend of mine who had a retreat program. And as part of the retreat, we had to get our hurts out and write them down. So mm -hmm. we journaled our hurts. And then for every hurt, we aligned of asking of forgiveness for it. And sometimes it was external people who had hurt us. So I forgive you so-and-so for doing X, Y, and Z to me. The ones that were people had a little bit more of a challenge with were these ones where they had to forgive themselves or ask God for forgiveness of yeah. those sins or those issues that we still hold on to. Um, and the walk in the woods, the first part of it was just going through that list. Yeah. And really, for me, it was putting it up to God. For others, it could be just more self-forgiveness if you're less spiritual. But I do think that putting it up to a higher power and say, you know, God, please forgive me for um, for the resentment that I held and mm -hmm. for feeling this way about my late wife and for not being as graceful to her as I should have been through this and, and as uh, forgiving to her for the disease that had ravaged her. Right. And so going through that process and saying it out loud while I was walking through the woods, thank goodness there was yeah. The miles around me, acres and acres around me, where there was no one there. But I was speaking loudly to God so that he, yes. could, he could hear. And I do think there's something powerful about not just asking for forgiveness <clears throat> kind of in your head, but externalizing it yep. and yeah. saying it, putting it out there. Yeah, I agree. That sounds wonderful. That sounds like a really just like you are clearing out from the depths of your soul all that you've been hanging on to for so long and doing it in nature, which we know is really healing. And then in connection with your higher power, God, so you know you're being heard and are then receiving grace. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that trip culminated, which we will talk about in a later session, uh, with some pretty amazing insights that yeah. he was able to give me at the end, which let me know that not only was it healing for me to be able to verbalize those things and ask for forgiveness, 
but that he was listening to so much more. Yeah. And um, the power of that spiritual moment really was a turning point in my life and, a, and an incredible healing process. So, Helen, right. we talked about regrets. What's the one piece of advice you'd like to leave our widowers with today about regret? Well, I would say go for a walk in the woods at this point, Tom. I think that's the piece. Uh, it's sharing in safe spaces with safe people in truth. And that's the way to release it. Yeah. And whether that's to God above or a therapist or a mm -hmm. dear friend, mm -hmm. I think that's the key is don't think that you have to have that relationship be perfect. No, it wasn't perfect when she was here. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect. You want to be respectful. You want to be adoring and graceful, just like you would be normally. But, you know, it doesn't have to be put them on a pedestal uh, because right. that doesn't help in the healing process. So yeah. I, I agree. Get it out there to someone trusted, share, and then ask for forgiveness mm -hmm. and give yourself grace. Yep. That's it. Excellent. Helen, thank you so much. We'll put contact information in case anyone wants to reach out to Helen about some of the therapies she mentioned. And we will have Helen back to discuss many more topics. We've got a list of them uh, <laughs> that Helen and I were talking about. And we really want to get some of this out there for you all to, uh, to help in our sharing. So thank you all for listening into our Growth Through Grief podcast. And thank you, Helen. You're welcome. If you like what you heard, please be sure to hit the like. Uh, be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date with the latest episodes. And until next time, my growth warriors, keep growing. <laughs>